You're listening to the Desperation Podcast, a generation in desperate pursuit of God. www.desperationonline.com. this room there's thousands of stories everybody here has a story and all of us are in the process of living out that story I remember when I was a little kid nine years old ten years old my parents they wouldn't let uh, my sisters and I'm a triplet David Dane and Didi have a little brother his name's Dan but he's taller than me he's here that was him he has black hair on there really he's got his hair always changes color but anyway And so when we were growing up, my parents were real strict on TV. And we could only watch two shows. We could watch Little House on the Prairie. Or we could watch Highway to Heaven. That was it. Basically, if it had Michael Landon in it, we deemed it Christian. And so I remember growing up as a nine-year-old, nine, ten-year-old. And I remember one day literally going out, sitting on my sidewalk, because I had been watching Laura Ingalls Wilder's heroic, exciting life. It came on Channel 4, 430. And I got to watch this little girl, she's eight or nine years old, living in Walnut Grove. And I got to watch this girl's life, you know, it came on every day, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, hour, I don't know. And I remember watching that, I remember sitting one day on my sidewalk, thinking, her life is exciting. Laura Ingalls Wilder has the most exciting life. She gets to ride little horses. Her dad is Michael Landon and he's buff. And I remember having this feeling of, man, I would love to have a more thrilling life. Look at me. I'm small and I was born with girls. And I remember wishing, oh, to have an epic, exciting adventure. Oh, man. Here at New Life, I run an internship called The Furnace. And two weeks into the, into the internship... We take everybody on a retreat and we have them sit in circles and they tell their story. They tell their testimony. And I'm amazed as I listen for six years now. I mean, I've heard over a thousand testimonies. Yes, vlogged in many hours. And I remember sitting and listening to testimony after testimony after testimony. And one of the things that's so a common preface Someone is going to tell their story. You know, it takes, you know, boldness to step out and tell your story to people you don't know very well yet. You're just getting to know them. How often I hear this statement. Well, I don't really have that exciting of a testimony and it's kind of boring. But, um, all right, well, I was born in a Christian home and I, uh, and they begin. And there's a prerequisite in their mind that is thinking Without a doubt, these people are going to be bored by the story that I have to tell. And what that means is is that deep down in their gut, if they were honest, they believe the story that they're living is dull. The story that they're living is boring. The story that they have decided to live out, to pursue, is boring. God has created within each one of us, me, you, everybody in this room, By virtue of the fact that you're born in the image of God, you have within you the desire for an epic, adventurous, blockbuster, exciting story. 
You can't divorce yourself from it. You might be able to say, well, I don't know, I'm content just to kind of, you know, hang out, do my deal, carve a niche in society, earn a little bit of money and die. You might say that, but if you're really honest, you're living in fantasy because the reality is, is it's not true. In reality, every single one of us are created to live in a bigger story. We have a longing that we can't, we can't divorce ourselves from. It lives within you. You were created with a desire to have an epic story. You were created with a desire to have a blockbuster life. Why we connect so much with movies. That's why you like them so much. Because the world has taken that longing. They've made billions of dollars off of the longing in your heart. But the truth is, is that God has created within you a desire for an epic life, for an exciting life, for an adventurous life. I'll never forget, my wife and I one time, here, this is my wife right here, this is Renata. Renata, you want to stand up? Can, oh, this is my wife right here, this is Renata. Isn't she beautiful? She is so wonderful. Oh, this is our baby number three, and um, it's a girl. And so, anyway... Glad you're here. I love you so much. I also want to introduce a friend of mine that's here. This is Ron Luce. He's going to be speaking tonight. Ron, will you stand up? Come on. Come on. There you go. All right. Okay, so I remember Renata and I, we were on a vacation one time, and um, we ended up talking to some different couples on this trip. We didn't know them. We were on vacation, and we're sitting at this table, and I'm listening to them talk. They're strangers to me, most of them 60s or 70s. Renata and I, like we little children, are sitting there, you know. They're thinking we're like, you know, teenagers. My poor wife. Before she dated me, she'd go on dates, and people would be at, at restaurants. They'd be like to her and her boyfriend, you know, welcome to this restaurant. Now, when she started dating me, they were like, hi, kids. What would you like? Would you like the children's menu? But anyway... And so my wife and I were sitting there and we were listening to these stories and they were godless. They did not know God. They were coming to the end of their life. They probably had a decade or two left. And I remember this, this gross just feeling as I listened to them talk. They didn't know Jesus. They didn't know God. They hadn't given their lives to him. And as they talked, they began to kind of compare notes. And here's as they were talking about their lives and they were kind of jockeying for position and, and, and trying to show each other how cool a life they were living. And they would talk about the money that they had or the gold that they had. Or they would talk about, hey, I know someone that's famous. And, uh, and yeah, well, he did this business deal. And, and, and I was listening. And it was just one after another just trying to, to bolster up their story, to make their story sound thrilling. But in the end, it was ashes. I mean, it was a joke. It was them just, I, I didn't even know the famous people they were talking about. They were like, well, I know so-and-so, and he knows so-and-so. And I'm like, who's so-and-so? I mean, no, it, was, it, was, it was ashes in the end. And yet here they are, 70, 80 years old, and they'd lived their lives. And the greatest testimony that they possessed in the end was those statements. With this amount of money, hey, you only got one house, I got two. <laughs> zippity doo da, zippity a. Who cares? You can only live one place anyway. <laughs> and I remember just thinking, how ridiculous, how nuts. Pastor friend of mine, he uh, was talking about a guy in his church that started coming to his church, Hall of Fame NFL football player, and he came and he said. My whole life, 
been in the spotlight, been searching. I finally made it into the NFL Hall of Fame. I'm the best of the best. This isn't satisfied. It's hunger in my heart. I mean, I thought to, you know, win some Lombardi trophies and to make it into the Hall of Fame. Man, at the end, I'd have the money, I'd have the fame, I'd have, I'd have everything I wanted, everybody would think I'm awesome, and, and everybody thinks I'm awesome, and I have all the money, and it's not satisfied. It's still gnawing within me. Why? You're created by the Creator to be a part of a story far bigger than yourself. They're created to be so much more than the way that our culture represents success. In our culture, to fight for yourself, selfish, narcissism, me, it's esteemed. What most people do. Or hedonism, the pursuit of pleasure. Let's just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Go hang out 70 and 80 year olds that have lived that way. Look at the measure of the happiness. Look at the measure of the satisfaction. Look at what they possess. It's ashes. There's some of them that'll fake it. There's some of them that'll look at you and say, oh, it's great. It's not. I mean, imagine... Imagine the moment when our Savior, Jesus, becomes a man, God of the ages, steps out of eternity, becomes a man. He's walking on the planet. 30 years, he lives in perfect righteousness, and then he's going to go pick his tribe. He's going to go get his boys. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 17, Jesus looks at a couple guys and says, come follow me. Come hang out with me. Come follow me. We know it well. You've heard it. Can you imagine... If we just looked at that and said, all right, let's say I'm Peter. Peter looks at Jesus. Jesus, uh, I'm not so sure that being a disciple of yours is the most thrilling way to live. And I got a pretty good story going on here at Sea of Galilee. Jesus goes, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can invite me. I know you're like the new cool hip young rabbi looking for a tribe, but I... I I got a pretty good thing going here. So uh, if, I, if I leave everything here, you know, think you can, you think, you think your story is better than what I got going here? Jesus says, well, what do you got going? I got me a nice boat. Jesus, you got a better boat than this? I walk on water. Uh, well, I got me a sweet city right here. Most people in this city, they know me. I mean, I'm one of the most successful, successful fishermen in town. I like this city. You beat that? Mm. I have an eternal city made of diamonds. Really? Well, streets that are gold, sea of glass like crystal. It's pretty sweet. Huh. I got some cool friends, man. These fishermen guys, I don't know that I want to leave them to go hang out. I mean, who you got? I don't want to, I mean, these, hey, Johnny, 
son of Zebedee. <laughs> you think of this cat. He wants us to leave everything and follow it. Jesus goes, hmm. People that hang out with me, uh, it's not the boats or the relationship or the hobbies that they possess that they have in common um, that makes them tight. It's me. Wow, you must be something more than you know. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine? We laugh. You know why we laugh? Because we living in 2007, we've been studying the Bible. We know that he's the God of the ages. We know that though he was rich, though he had everything, yet for our sakes he became poor. He became a man. That through his poverty, that going to the cross, we might become rich. That we might gain eternal life in him forever and ever. And so when we hear that story, we think it unbelievable, unthinkable that Peter, James, and John would not take the invitation to follow Jesus and to be a part of his story and to leave their small story to go be a part of his story. We think, of course. But yet when you look at the way that we live our lives, I have a question. Have you switched stories? Is your story about this man, Jesus, or is your story mostly about you? Is, are you living out your story so that everything's still all about you? Sure, you pray to prayer. Or is it really mostly about your story? Because the most thrilling and exciting and exhilarating way to live on planet Earth is to actually step out of, dude, you know what, I, I, had, uh, I got two houses I got a gold ring. This is my 14th wife, and uh, I'm 80 years old, and man, it was a good day. That is ashes. And the way that this thing ends up, when we stand before the God of the ages, is we're going to look at him, and it's not, that little story is going to be so small and so nothing compared to the grandeur and the greatness of eternity with him. But I say this, not only eternity with him, but I say now. The most thrilling way to live on planet Earth is to follow Jesus with all your heart, all your soul, to be a disciple of Jesus now. We sang a worship song the other day. And uh, I know, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to like every worship song. We sang a worship song. I stopped singing it. I was like, now, I don't know who wrote this. If, if you're here and you wrote this song, please hear my heart. I'm, forgive me, but here's my, I'm just creating war right now. But we're singing this worship song and I just stopped. We're singing this song and it's probably some of your favorites and so I'm gonna offend you. Say, David's gonna offend me. All right, now I can, all right. But we started singing this song and it was like, it's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be worth it. I don't know if you know that song, but I, I, we started singing that song and I was looking at kids next to me going, it's gonna be worth it. Oh, oh, it's, it's life so hard here. It's going to be worth it. I uh, broke up with my secular girlfriend. It's going to be worth it. But if Jesus were here, he'd puke on us. Please. The most exciting, thrilling way to live on planet Earth is to let go of your little tiny peewee brain story. 
And to enter it into the God of the ages story. And when you enter into his story, then your little peewee story becomes epic and exciting and adventuresome. Your story becomes awesome. Your story develops purpose. Your story develops fascination. Your story, exhilaration. Your story, oh, something good. I remember being a teenager, about 16, 17 years old, buddy of mine. We're talking, and he was from a, from a high school across town, and we were friends through church. And uh, I was kind of the, you know, let's take my high school, and he was kind of like, let's meet the girls guy. And uh, I remember we were hanging out one day, and he said this phrase to me, I've never been so mad in my life. He goes, yeah, I think I'm going to do what you're doing, David. I'm ready to settle down, get my life straightened out, better... You know, chill out a little bit and get my life right. Go do the Jesus thing, you know what I'm saying? I looked at him. Pew. Sick. Oh! The very idea. Yeah, you know, better, better calm it down. Do the Jesus thing. I had my time and... It was fun while it lasted, but it ain't no fun no more, so I better do Sick. No, 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 no. I wanted to look at him and go, are you kidding me? I would never say this because I was a very well-mannered young mullet kid with braces. But, and my dad was the pastor, and if I got this kid mad, he'd tell his parents and it was over. So I didn't say this to him, but inside of me I thought... Are you kidding me? Your life is pitiful compared to mine. I've got purpose. I've got a reason. I'm getting up leading prayer meetings every morning. I got, I, I got the God of the ages alive in my heart. What, are you crazy? And friends, I want to tell you this. The greatest way to live, the most thrilling, the way that you were created, you don't work right. As a half-hearted person, hanging out, living on what the world has to offer. You work right when your heart has given up from it being all about you. You've switched kings. You've switched stories. Now you're enveloping your story into what he's doing on the planet today. And that's the greatest way to live. And it's not just for eternity. Oh, it's awesome in eternity. You go hang out in the Diamond City in the Gold Streets, you'll be like, sweet here. I'm glad I'm not in hell. Oh, eternity, it's got, it's got the good stuff. But it's got it today. Right now. Matthew chapter 16, are you there? Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Here's Jesus, and he's coming up, and he's talking to the disciples. He's just, these are his friends. They've been hanging out for a while now. And it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And he says, now let me tell you who you are, Peter. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I'll build my church. And here it is. And the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not overcome it. <laughs> That's a good way to live. 
This is Peter. This is not perfect. I mean, we imagine Peter, he's perfect. He's so wonderful. He's so great. You know, I mean, we, we've heard about Peter our whole lives. Yeah, yeah, I know. You know the Bible stories. Peter's got his flaws. And yet Jesus looks at a guy that's weak and broken, that's going to deny him to servant little girls. And he says, Pete, you've made the right confession about who I am. Now let me tell you who you are. And he says, you're a rock, and on this rock I'll build my church. And here's the part I want to I hit on this afternoon. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. The gates of hell will not be able to overcome the church. Now I grew up in Sunday school. Where I've heard this verse a lot. When I would picture this, I thought, ooh, the gates of hell. Huh. And some reason in my brain, I don't know about how you interpret this, but I, I pictured the gates of hell will not be able to get the church. And I pictured little demons with white picket fences, like trying to knock over my brick church, you know, like they won't be able to get it. You know, like, ah, hey, little demon, try this one. Ah, oh, this is a big church. Oh, and I pictured us all in there, you know, just as I am. And they're like, ah, we can't get in the building. That's how I pictured it. What about you? You try. Have a door. I mean, you know, that kind of thing. Like these little demons with gates or something. But you know, gates are not an offensive weapon. Gates are a defensive weapon. Are you with me? So if you set up a gate, all right, in your backyard, you set up a gate, you're from Oklahoma, you set up a gate, the purpose of the gate is to keep all the longhorns out, right? You're going to keep all the weirdos out. Just kidding. If you set it up here, what? You want to keep all the, all the others out? You want to keep other dogs out? You want to keep people you don't know out? Why do you set up a gate? Why did they set up a gate? They set up a gate to keep people out. The gates of hell will not be able to overcome it. That means that the church is going to be on the offensive. Ah! That does not mean that when it's little demons with little white gates trying to get you, mm, I'm going to get you. Ah! Oh, sick. Man, we have way more power than that. We have way more of the life of God. Jesus says in John 16, he goes, hey, I've overcome the world, guys. <laughs> Matthew 28, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go. <laughs> Therefore, you go. Whoa, all authority to him. I'm his representative. Let's go. Who can stop us? That means that the church are the people that aren't sitting back, hanging out, being like, hey, man, I got to, you know, resist the devil and he must flee. Get away from me, you and your little prickly little gates, suckers. Ugh. Man, what that means is that we're looking at each other and we're looking at our generation and we're saying the enemy is going after our generation. And you know what? We're, we have decided as the church, not on our watch. Not in this hour, not in this age. We're going to go after him. And you know what? We're going to defeat the enemy. Some of you are like, yeah, David, I'm not that comfortable with you talking about the devil. I don't like you talking about the enemy, the devil. I just, can we just sing another kumbaya song and raise some hands and go? Devil talk, that's scary talk, man. 
Yeah, like bad images. I might get nightmares tonight in Tent City. Please just stop. I think we're in a war. And if we're in a war, it's okay for us to talk about the need to conquer the enemy. In fact, I think that um, Jesus talks about it quite a bit. Oh, yeah, he does. Huh. But somehow in our little youth group cultures, it's easy to not talk devil talk. We've tried to change that a little bit around here at New Life, Tag. We talk about the devil a little bit right now. And uh, kind of started a while back. I was sitting in my, don't ruin this tag. I was sitting here, Colorado Springs, puffy white clouds, Pikes Peak. We got Starbucks everywhere. It's the glory of God. I was sitting there, nice little laptop, double tall vanilla latte, doing my nice little quiet time, you know. That's where I like to do my, my God time, you know, and I'm sitting there in Bible, got nice pretty books, you know, $14 each, little rich pastor brat. And uh, I'm sitting there, you know. A friend of mine text messages me. He's a missionary in Mexico. And uh, he's here. He's going to do a, ne- a session at 345 today. And I get this text message from him. I'm sitting there on my, nice, on my nice little table. Everything's pretty. Everything's nice. Drove my brand new 1997 Dodge Stratus to coffee house. And everything was pretty and clean. And it's just so nice. I got this text message from a guy that's out planting churches in the middle of, uh, in the mountains of Mexico. And in a whole different ballgame that everybody there is not like super concerned with Hollister, Abercrombie, and Fitch and what he calls syrup in their hair. I get this text message from him. Kill the devil. <laughs> I remember I, I looked at my phone and I was like, Make sure nobody else I was like, Hate the devil. <laughs> you know what I think? I think when you're planting churches in the mountains of Mexico and you see the real war, it's a lot easier to have the language to say, kill the devil. I think that we need within our vernacular, within our conversation for us as 16-year-olds and 17-year-olds to look at each other and rather just tolerate, rather than just tolerating the devil and go, oh, I don't know why, it's just a struggle for me, we go, kill it. The nature of the people that come to the Desperation Conference are the kind of people that have said, I've surrendered all to Jesus. I want, I want him to be the light of my life, and I'm ready to give everything to him. And so I think we need to not be just kind of in our pristine, nice little youth group sitting around, but we need to be on the offense of saying, let's go out and let's plummet hell. Let's take out the gates. We're going in after the high schools. We're going in after the campuses. We are going to destroy the work of the enemy in our town. We're going to get out of our comfort zone. I want to tell you this. Some of you are like, wow, that sounds intense. You, 
You, you said yes to the finished work of Jesus on the cross. You can take that language that Jesus says. Jesus says, John 16, 1 John, he says, you can overcome. You can overcome. You can overcome. You don't believe me? Turn to Revelation. Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, I'm going to read these quickly. All right? Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, look at this. Here's Jesus talking. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes. Oh, wow. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Okay, we'll give you one, David. Maybe there's some people that overcome. Oh, wait, verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Wow, that's two overcomes in one chapter. How about a third? Look at this, verse 26. All right? To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. Huh. Okay, let's keep going. Chapter 3, verse 5. He who overcomes will, uh, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life. Hmm, good day. Revelation 3.21. My favorite. Look at this. It says, To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. I just read one, two, three, four, five. Five verses right there of people that will overcome. You know what that means? If Jesus is talking to John on the island of Patmos and he goes, hey, John, to him who overcomes, 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 I'll just bet that Jesus is truth and that there will be a remnant of people that overcome. Why not us? Why not? Why not you? Why not me? Why not us? Why not we be a people that overcome? Why not we be those people? I mean, can you imagine? There will be a remnant of people that overcome. Imagine the moment that you get to heaven and let's just say you're an overcomer. You're sitting there. Hey, is this your throne? <laughs> let's get over. I overcame. <laughs> Here we go. Let's go. <laughs> Where are all these freaky creatures screaming at you? Oh, they're, they're saying that I'm holy. Awesome. Hey, um, we're really going to watch this movie together? Yeah, yeah, we're going to watch the movie. What is it? This is your life. Sweet. Imagine just, you know, God right there with you. He's like, here, there you go. Look at that. Remember that moment you were 15? Oh, yeah. This is when I overcame. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of people in your generation that weren't overcoming. I know what I overcame. Yeah, that's cool. Well, well, why didn't you kiss her? Oh, I overcame. Yeah. How come you didn't look at pornography? Oh, I was overcomer. <laughs> uh, well, how come you led the prayer meeting even when nobody else showed up? Well, I want to sit here with you. <laughs> I overcame. There's going to be a remnant of people. Why not us? Why, why do we like to justify our sin by talking about 
well, it's so difficult and it's so hard and it's... No, the reality is, is that when Jesus died on the cross, he crushed Satan forever. He said that you would possess by the power of the Holy Spirit the ability to overcome. He also said that the authority that Jesus possesses, he's given to you. Therefore, you are not weak, little, spineless, tiny, peewee, little, oh, you are an overcomer. You are someone with a life, the power of God inside of you. Man, the day you said yes to the finished work of Jesus on the cross, I mean the explosive, offensive power of God entered you. And by the choices you make, you'll decide if you'll be an overcomer. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 12. Only a few chapters over. It says this. Let's, let's read verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now has come the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. And watch, this is my favorite. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. Na 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 na. We win. I love that. I love that. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. There's a people that overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. A lot of us, man, we've prayed the prayer and so we've gotten the blood of the lamb. Jesus has already died on the cross. He's defeated Satan and now we make the decision on if we will have a testimony, if we will have a story, if we will have a story of victory, if we will step into what he did on the cross and we will say, my life is not about my life. It's not about my choices. It's not about me. It's all about you and I'm entering into your story and I'm going to take your kingdom. I'm going to establish it on planet earth. I'm going to know you. And you know what? My little life as a little fisherman was pretty dull and pretty boring until I decided to follow you and woohoo, I will overcome. I will be an individual that says by the blood of the lamb, because of who he is. It's nothing that I did. It's nothing that I am. Man, I'm a weak, average, frail, broken, five foot five little kid. But you know what? By the power and the grace and the strength of God, by the blood of the lamb, I'm going to take it. I'm going to move it forward. And I'm going to have a word of te- a testimony. I'm going to have a story. I'm going to have a testimony and a story that's awesome. It's epic. And you go, well, wait a minute, David. Um, I thought I just had to stay, you know, faithful in the little things and that my life will never be anything exciting. Listen, I'll tell you what, what it looks like. You don't know what epic and exciting looks like until one day you look back and you go, oh, God, when I chose righteousness right there, you used that and you, oh, I didn't think it even mattered. And God goes, no, holiness matters. Sweet. God, I started that prayer meeting on my campus and nobody showed up for like six months and I was there by myself. And then finally that one kid who was really nerdy and dorky, he joined me and I was just embarrassed to even pray with him, but we decided to go ahead and pray together. And you used that prayer. Oh, and that affected that kid and that affected that 
kid who had a kid who veterinarian got saved who met, and whoa and ah! I don't prayer meeting mattered. Uh huh. God, when I returned kindness to that guy that was a jerk to me. I just thought I was being nice because I referred to, but look at that, you, no! And he remembered, and you, and I, I, I would have never, I, I, I couldn't see it, God, I, in my brain, you have a peewee brain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, the way that you used my little life to expand your kingdom, <sighs> that's awesome. Yeah. And God, you know what? Every time I thought I was just being faithful in little things, they were actually big things to you, weren't they? Uh Uh-huh. The fact that they were little things, they were only little things in my eyes because I couldn't see. That's right, you're getting it. Well, God, I I, I, I didn't know. Well, that's why I know all things and you don't. Oh. And God, that whole time, I was following you. I was overcoming I was believing that the cross was true. I was believing that my little story mattered. And man, I couldn't see it. And everybody around me was saying, oh, come on. It's a philosophy of the day. It's just a religion. And I was saying, no, it's my Savior. It's my Lord. And I know that this is the word of God. The Bible is true. And I'm going to hold to it. My heart was alive throughout that. And now I look back. And not only did in my life on planet Earth, did I get to experience and encounter you, but it actually One day, we'll stand before the God of the ages. I want you to imagine the moment where we're standing before him in Revelation 5. It says that we stand before him, and it says, every creature on the earth, above the earth, and under the earth is going to sing to his, him who sits on the throne and under the land be blessing and glory and honor and power forever. And the redeemed, we're going to be there. We're going to be around the throne. Revelation 7, 9, it says that there's going to be a great multitude in which no one can count from every tongue, tribe, and nation. And we're going to be worshiping the God of the ages. And I want you to imagine when there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of stories that are before his story. And we're going to look at him and we're going to go, whoa, he's awesome. He's incredible. And my life that glorified and honored him was a part of his redeeming the planet and Whoa, and this anthem will start to rise. We'll go, whoa. And we'll look at our friends. And we'll go, your story mattered. Your story mattered. We'll go, Brent, you were fighting for, the, for the, a generation to know its purpose. He'll go, David, whoa, here we are. You were screaming a lot. And we'll go, yeah, it mattered. I'll go, Brent, you were fighting for the heart of the king the whole time. He'll go, David, whoa, here we are. I'll go, Dan, there you are. Man, you had good genetics on planet Earth. And my brother will go, so did you. Here we are. We'll look at the God of the ages and we'll go, oh, your story cannot be stopped. Your story is going to take place and our lives are worship. Your story is worship. Your story is warfare. It is killing the devil. It is advancing the kingdom of God. And your story, you living, whether you live in the greatest house in Manhattan or whether you live in a little tiny shack and I won't say anywhere, you'll be offended, but (laughs) no matter where you live, no matter what you do, your story matters. Your story can be a thrill and exciting when you look at it through the eyes of the God of the ages. And right now, you can't see it. Right now, you can't see every, oh, we see a little bit. We see just a little bit. We see the little successes. 
We see some, and we, and we testify, and we get, who's got a testimony? And we go, I got a testimony. And, I, and, God, and God loves that, and he goes, ooh, I like that. They're, they could see that I'm moving in their lives. But I'll tell you this, there'll be a moment where we'll look back and we'll go, wow, my little life connected to leaving my story, leaving my desires, my wants, my nets, my boat, my Capernaum, my leaving that and joining with Jesus and living for his story. Not only was it thrilling, not only was it the most exhilarating way to live on planet earth, but it mattered. Your story of overcoming, your story, when we stand with Jesus, what's going to matter? I don't care if you're 12, I don't care if you're 20. I don't care if you're tall or you're short. I don't care if you have braces or not. I don't care who you are. One day, even if it's hard now, you'll see your story mattered. And we are the tribe that have left everything to follow Jesus. We're the ones that have said yes. And I believe that God has given us the opportunity in a generation that needs him to overcome, to be the light of Jesus now. Will you stand with me? I'd like to invite everybody that just says, I want supernatural strength to be an overcomer to come forward right now. Just come on forward, stand here and stretch your hands out like this. I want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, we need your strength. God, we want to be people that overcome by the blood of the Lamb. We want to have testimonies about you. We want our lives to be about you. Holy Spirit, just come now. Just stretch out your hands just like this, just to the Lord. Ask him. Some of you you're, have different, different sins, different things that have kept you from wholehearted pursuit of God. But you know you were created to be a part of the tribe that denies themselves, takes up their cross, and follows Jesus. of tolerating some sin that you know God's going to give you strength to overcome. Some of you, you're just bored. You're bored living for yourself. You're bored saying, yeah, Jesus is my God, but in reality, you're living your life totally for you, and you haven't entered into the joy of total surrender, the privilege of following Jesus with everything. desperation. 
take our stories that so often are about our hobbies, our desires. Jesus, we lay them at your feet. We say we'd much rather live as a follower of Jesus than anything else. We'd much rather enter into your story. We'd much rather be with you. We'd rather dwell in your house now. Rather be with you for a day than a million years living on our own. Better us one moment with our God. Just want you now just to go to God and say, God, give me power to overcome. Holy Spirit, come alive in me. Holy Spirit is inside of you. So many of us, we've said yes before. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, come. Make us overcomers. Make us strong. Just take, go ahead and just place your hand over your heart. Here we are, the willing ones. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.